0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Common Sense Uncensored. This is episode number two and another brief introduction of myself. My name is Mark Rusted, local property owner, local landlord, local property manager, whatever you want to call me, I wear all the hats. Um, I got a special guest with me today who's deeply rooted in politics in North Dakota. Uh, I myself was given an opportunity to, you know, try my hand in that. I didn't Fare very well. I lost an election in Ward 2 for city council, but along the way I did meet my next guest, and and hopefully there will be a future potentially for me in politics. So everything's in front of me, not behind me. So I guess politically speaking, I am a grower, not a shower. And with that, I will introduce my next guest. His name is Dave Owen. He is in charge of Legalize ND. That is the initiative measure that will be on the ballot to legalize recreational use of marijuana. The irony of all this is that Dave or I don't use (laughs) marijuana, but we are going to walk you through this, and I will let Dave introduce himself.
1: Hey, everybody. Uh, My name is Dave Owen. Um, As Mark mentioned, I'm the chair of Legalize ND, and I occasionally do political consulting for other causes in the city of Grand Forks. Um, so I guess let's start with what happened in the session that's leading up to the initiative, and then we'll go with what are the steps forward for the initiative. So this session, Representative Jason Doctor, who's out of Bismarck, introduced a bill, House Bill 1420, where recreational marijuana would have been legalized with a large number of strings attached. And to be honest, when it first started, we didn't take it all that seriously. We thought, okay, well, thank you for doing this, but we, we didn't see a pathway forward for it. As session unfolded, it went in front of the Human Services Committee. They created a subcommittee for it, and it passed through the subcommittee with a single vote. That's when it got serious. Then it went to the main committee, and it passed by, I believe, two votes. And then it went to the floor. One-
0: so it got a due pass coming out of the House, is that what you're saying? Yep,
1: due pass coming out of the House by roughly two votes, okay. um, which meant it had to have a Republican majority. Because of how few Democrats there are in North Dakota— in order to get a Republican, in order to get a do pass, you almost have to have a Republican majority, just because of how the math works. So we go, okay, this is this is very serious now. It's going to go to the House floor. Uh, some calls are made. Um, Representative Ruby has helped a little bit with his speech, and it passes overwhelmingly through the House, and it would then be moved to the Senate Human Services Committee. While it was there, um, that's always a tough committee because of the makeup of it, but it came out no recommendation, 3-3, and ultimately died on the floor. Uh, For those of you in Grand Forks, every senator in Grand Forks voted yes on it, Um, I believe. Almost all the senators in Fargo voted yes on it, with the exception of uh, Jim Roars. So did strongly in the eastern part of the state, but in the west it just completely died.
0: And see, if I don't... Make sure I've got my facts straight here, Dave, but it was my... um, I was led to believe, let's say... That should they pass even this version of legalized marijuana that your group was willing to say, okay, that's fine. We'll walk away. Is that, is that so, an accurate statement?
1: Politics is the art of compromise, right? And we looked at it and said, is this bill perfect? No. Are we happy enough with it? Yes. Because the whole point of a ballot initiative is you introduce an initiative directly to the people when the legislature is unwilling or unable to listen to you. So certain issues the legislature can't handle. And in that case, you have to do a ballot initiative. Um, And in some cases, they just don't want to listen. So you introduce it on your own and you move around them, so to speak.
0: So, And I'm also going to make an assumption here that I bet you a lot of those yes votes are actually people that took a lot of grief from their constituents because they probably didn't want it. But they knew that this was the legislature's chance to be able to do it their way instead of how it reads in an initiated measure. And to me, being as close as measure two was to passing the last time it was on the ballot, I don't see a lot of wisdom in failing a bill from the legislative standpoint on on marijuana, knowing that it's going to come back to the surface on the ballot. And instead of them getting a crack or a bite at that apple, it's going to wind up being the people that put the measure on the ballot and ultimately into the Constitution, if I'm not mistaken. No, no,
1: no, no. we're not Constitution. Oh,
0: you're going to be uh, sentry so code? We are,
1: we are Century code. Um, but yes, to, before I move forward, I want to 100% answer your question. Had that passed, we would have not only walked away, but if anyone else had tried to initiate a measure, we would have campaigned against it because of what I said before. Now... The measure you guys are going to get is not the legislative one. It's going to be different. And the other problem is with a measure, they're much more difficult to amend. So if there's a problem with a measure when it goes in front of the North Dakota state legislature, they now need a two-thirds majority as opposed to a simple majority to fix it. So passing it via the initiated measure process is not ideal. It doesn't allow for as much flexibility. And it creates a system where the activists are the ones who get to determine what's in the bill because – to quote Senator Dever, people don't vote on the text of the initiative. They so, vote for the spirit of the initiative.
0: So it's safe to say the legislature missed a big opportunity.
1: Yep. I mean, they, they're going to reap what they sow on this one. Um, they, they messed around, and they decided that they didn't want to deal with it. Um, you actually had people senators who had spoken to the media saying they were going to vote for it who pulled back and decided not to.
0: Would you like to say any names?
1: Oh, yeah. I can I can name the most prominent one as Majority Leader Wardner. So Majority Leader Rich Wardner called an interview after it came out of the House, and he said that he was going to support it. He said he wasn't happy about supporting it, but it was the best way forward because he didn't trust the people writing the initiative. And I, I take a little bit of offense to that, but I also understand his point. And his point is, look, we're not going to get a more restrictive version than this one.
0: So do you think that this is a factor whatsoever so I tend to feel that the more times you give uh, folks to vote on something you know if you're going to get a fail the first time the next time you're going to get a little closer the next time you're going to get a little closer and and eventually likely these things pass and I think that's the case for things like libraries, school you know board referendums things of that nature and it, with marijuana Is that a case of, and I don't want to sound insensitive, but could that be a case of a lot of the no voters from last time around and the time before that, if there was one, have simply passed away?
1: So there is a factor of that. North Dakota lost roughly uh, 1,000th of its residents. So that does play a role. But the bigger thing that plays a role is different age groups feel differently about this issue. When we started this issue, the first time people voted on it in 16 with medical marijuana, those people would have been, let's say, 30. Now they're 36, 37, 38. So the, as the age group goes up, they become more likely to vote. Similarly, as the older people who are against it get older and older, there's a chance they're not here anymore. But the bigger factor is always the younger people transitioning from being kids on college campuses to being voters. And on this particular issue, time correlates strongly with us. There are other examples where time goes against you.
0: See, and I, I agree with you, and this is kind of what I was thinking was your answer might be, because I've got a little gamble to me. Not a ton, but a little bit. I just got back from Las Vegas yesterday. And if I was betting on this, regardless of who was running the initiative, I, I like I like the over for the, for the <laughs> passing of it. And it's simply for what, some of the things that we've been speaking about you know, the ages of people going up and older people it, tend to vote. And when they get really old, they tend to die. And so th- things like these measures are stronger the longer you fight the fight. And I, I see a win coming this time around from one non-pot smoker to another non-pot smoker.
1: I, I feel like we've got a solid chance. Um, last time we did 41 And that was on a shoestring budget. This time, we are thinking that it'll pass. We're going to run the version that we were going to run in 2020, which was prepared by legislative council and by a West Fargo attorney, um, Scott Brand. So we've addressed most of the main concerns. And yes, this is just an issue where over time you get stronger. Um, Some issues you get weaker over time. So rather famously, there was a ballot initiative in multiple states to put gay marriage, to ban gay marriage, right? And in California, that even passed. People forget that in California, there was a vote to ban gay marriage, and it passed in the late 90s, early 2000s.
0: That that defies what a lot of people think of when they think California.
1: Well, people also forget that California used to be a conservative state. Um, If you think of some of the prominent politicians in the Republican Party from the 70s until mid to late 80s, they were California-based. Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan are the two most prominent among that crowd. They were both California guys. So things shift over time.
0: Yeah, and that it's it's very clear. I I cannot see a measure to ban gay marriage passing in California's near future. Um, but that yeah, you know, that's an interesting point, and it kind of disproves what I was saying. But you know, I still have a gut hunch. You know, call it what you want. I, I think right. the winds are changing for the legalization of of marijuana. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we were walking down in Las Vegas and just got a bath of marijuana smoke because it's obviously legal there I guess I didn't look around but I'm sure that it is because it was being smoked out and open as if it was you know a, you know just a
1: bottle of water I mean nobody cared So the one concern though that I do want to make sure we're clear on with our initiative is that we will not allow smoking in public in ours I'm actually not a fan of the whole smoking in public thing I don't like it with cigarettes I don't really like it with pot either. I think that if you want to smoke it, you should smoke any, you should smoke it responsibly. And that means in the privacy of your backyard or your home, don't, don't bring me into it.
0: Do you think that that type of stuff actually gets um, prosecuted though? So it depends. Enforced because I mean, heroin's illegal, but city of grand forks will give you 10 heroin needles for the price of one heroin needle right now. And that's not supposed to be done period, much less out in the open. And, Anybody that's taken a walk down the Greenway has seen that done out in the open.
1: Well, the it, it becomes a question of who does law enforcement prosecute. And they have limited resources and they have limited time. And because of the town we're in, most of their focus goes to the rowdy young kids and making sure they don't get out of control. And I'm referring to UND. I used to be one of those kids. Um, so was I. <laughs> and that's their primary focus, right? They're not going to go to the Greenway. Because to some degree, they really don't want to incarcerate these people. It costs us roughly forty-eight thousand dollars in a single year to incarcerate a single individual.
0: And I think even somebody with, even if you're against the use of marijuana and you believe that it should be illegal, I think most people of a reasonable thought look at that and go, "All right, this guy's smoking marijuana. Does he actually belong behind bars in a cage?" For putting something into his own lungs just because you don't like it, I, I think most reasonable people would say, no, he does not.
1: Well, heck, even the legislature agrees with us on that now. Um, what happened is they now say that you can possess up to, I want to say, a, a short ounce, which is a little bit under 28 and a half grams. So you can have a short ounce and you can... As long as you have that, you can pay a $1,000 fine, but you won't go to jail. So the, <laughs> You'll have a criminal record, but you won't go to jail. So
0: our conservative legislature drafted something with the word short ounce in it? <laughs> no, that they, sounds-
1: they gave the exact weight. So th- this is the difference between a baker's dozen and a dozen. Um, an ounce is 28 and a half grams. But when you're weighing it with a scale, right, you're, you're in some guy's apartment, you're, you're not going to check, is this exactly one ounce? You're going to go trust the scale. And those home scales you buy... Are usually off by anywhere from a tenth of an ounce, or sorry, from a tenth of a gram to half a gram. So. I just want to say,
0: Dave, I think you're making the audience very reluctant to believe my opening statement <laughs> that you don't smoke pot.
1: Well, no, these are things you have to know. The, these are things you have to know when you're in the legalization movement is what is an ounce, right? Because if I ask you to picture an ounce in your head, everyone gives a different answer. So I'll put it in perspective. A fluid ounce is one twelfth of a can of beer, that's the weight of. An ounce.
0: That one I'm aware of.
1: Right. So when you're trying to get something this small of an amount and you put it on your scale, your scale is going to make a mistake. Have you ever been to the grocery store? Never. Okay.
0: <laughs> yes, of course I've been to the grocery store. And you,
1: have you ever weighed fruit that's by the pound?
0: No, I've not done that.
1: Okay. Have you ever gone to the butcher and you say, I want a quarter pound of meat? Sure. Yep. Even that butcher's scale, he never quite gets you a quarter pound. He'll, he'll get you point .8 or he'll get you a 0. 0.7. But he it's very rare that he gets you exactly 0. 0.75.
0: Well, they're pretty good at the local butcher shop. You, you can get us, I mean, within an unmeasurable amount. <laughs> Let's just say I'm a fan.
1: O- okay. Now, imagine that this is a guy who's in some dinky apartment, not exactly trained in measuring it. If you want to There's going to be error.
2: If you want to know how much an ounce is about
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> but by weight it's one twelfth of a can of beer because a can of beer is 12 fluid ounces um,
0: that was an amazingly accurate depiction
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like someone's got experience um, so anyway point being they did decriminalize it to that extent um, but there's still if you go over that ounce if you have a heavy ounce let's say you 29 grams instead of 28 and a half it goes to up to a year in jail
0: and see, that goes back to my point.
1: And that's when it gets ridiculous.
0: Even if you were a peace officer, and, and so you're, you can fine somebody $1,000 for you know a light ounce or put them in a cage for a year for a heavy ounce, I'm guessing most officers will grab that bag and dump a little bit on the ground and <laughs> give you the fine and say, have a nice day, don't do this behind the wheel. I, I, just, I think that's where we're at in society
1: now. I, I like to think we're there. Um, some officers are going to be stricter about it than others. And that's the problem, right? The problem is if you're an officer and you pour some of that marijuana out, you've just tampered with with evidence. You've just potentially risked your career over it. And with the body cam movement that's happening in this country, officers are being forced to wear a body cam. They're not going to be able to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, they've been wearing them here in Grand Forks since, what, 15, I think? Right,
1: so if you're an officer in Grand Forks, you you don't have the liberty to do that anymore.
0: You can just sneeze into it and it'll blow out. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But you you, you get what I'm saying here. As we get more and more regulatory on law enforcement, we take away their discretion. And that arguably has some benefits, but it arguably has severe detriments. And this is a case where the detriments of the surveillance and all that for the officers really comes into play.
0: Actually, during the COVID uh pandemic, Time that we're in now, officer probably getting more trouble for sneezing than he would for dumping out evidence. So <laughs> maybe it's a six of, horse apiece, piece, six yeah. one a half dozen of the other. Yeah.
1: And but we think that we're going to do well in the initiative, and we think that it's reasonably restricted enough that someone can look at it and go, "This is reasonable." Uh, what we would be legalizing is about an ounce and a half of possession, but we would require track and trace. So when you buy it from a store, they would have to have an ID number on the package. And as a result, the officer would be able to look at it and know how much you bought. So
0: this, there's, not that, a, there's not a home grow uh, portion of this?
1: Oh, God. This is always the debate. Because <coughs> uh, obviously you're see.
0: not going to put your own UPC labels on these things. So I, I'm just curious if there's any portion of this uh, valid measure that would allow for people to do that. If that's The, the
1: home grow is always a wait and see. Um, we're going to be polling on it. And depending on how it polls is what, what we'll do. This is what I was talking about where you have activists writing the measure. We don't use paid petitioners at Legalize ND, so we need enough people who want to go collect the petition and want to go circulate it. And the home grow versus no home grow fight is a fight that has been going on for eight years now.
0: And I'm just going to assume that that fight is between the large distributors and the people the, and the homegrown type of people that w- w- just want to be left alone I'm, is that
1: that's not even who the fight's against i've no? talked with the major distributors uh the major dispensaries and they all don't mind they don't care about home grow. so
0: who does care
1: uh the people of north dakota care so when we polled last time and we asked specifically will this would allow for home grow would you still support it our support dropped from roughly 52 percent 38 percent how come i
0: how is it any different than a tomato plant in your backyard i don't
1: understand what's what's I, the problem i don't either but in a democracy which is or a representative republic you care what the majority thinks and so because home grow pulled po- so much lower we didn't have it in 2020.
0: was there a, like a comment box on these polls where they could explain their reasoning so you-
1: um no the polls were expensive enough as it is. We didn't do live interview polling. We did simple... We did call and ask questions with uh, defined answers. Because an interview polling is much more expensive. Um, to do a poll like you're talking about where you get, allow them to do comments and all that, fifty sixty thousand dollars
0: 60000 Oh, you, you're the best, Dave. You could do it
1: for fifty. dollars <laughs> maybe. Well, that's still more than half the budget of Legalize ND in 2018
0: well, people need to put their money where their pot is and help you guys out.
1: I agree. LegalizeND2020.com.
0: Well, I think that,
2: uh, you know, it should be legalized because people are going to get it regardless, especially, you know, since you got, I mean, I think Minnesota is just decriminalized, but,
1: you know, you got... Minnesota medical program uh, now allows flower. So it's going to be very easy to bring it in. Mm -hmm. And South Dakota, depending on the court case, will have full legalization. They voted on it.
2: And I think the majority of people that don't really know about marijuana usage everybody just imagines everybody out there smoking joints and it's so much more now i mean you got edibles you got you know liquids you got i mean there's a, a whole gambit of stuff you can use to to you know get stoned now
1: yeah the biggest product is the nowadays among the youth is the thc vape pens the biggest product among the older generation is still smokeables and the in-betweens, which is I'd, I'd call you and Mark's generation, is the edible products. Really took off with your generation.
0: So are you so much younger than us, you're literally putting us in a different generation?
1: Um, I, think you're, I think you're in your 40s, Mark. I am not. Or am I too low?
0: I am 39.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm 28.
0: So you're a millennial.
2: We, we were just having this discussion earlier because yeah. we were trying to figure out when the, the Gen Z nation started.
1: Yeah, so I am... A generation's 25 years. I'm roughly 12 years away from you. So we're probably not in the same generation.
0: You've even got a fountain of information about the way (laughs) generations are determined. So I guess we got the right guest on. (laughs)
1: Um, But, yeah, I think that it's going to – I think it's going to pass. I I don't think the legislature did themselves any favors either with the hemp bill, 1046, I believe, where they ended up banning Delta 8 THC and punishing all the vape stores.
0: And for people that have no idea what that means...
1: Okay, so you know what vape pens are, right? I do. Okay. Now, you could buy vape pens from, say, Discontent in Town before, and they would have what was called Delta-8 THC. And Delta-8 was a very, very mild strain of THC at a very, very low percentage. We're talking three-tenths of a percent, roughly. And they could use that, and they'd get a very minor effect of regular THC. The analogy I like to use is if you think marijuana is vodka... This was uh, O'Doul's.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, so they Sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say this, though. I've got just terrible, I mean, degenerative knees. I've had both my knees reconstructed twice. They're absolute junk. I got arthritis in both of them. That What do you call that? CBD? CDBD? CBD, the, yeah, is, CBD the, been, is
1: currently legal. Um, it's cannabidiol, that's which been, is CBD.
0: That's been really helpful for my knees. I don't know if other people are having the same results. Yeah, nice. I've
2: heard all kinds of good things about CBD. The only thing that I've never really uh, you know, pulled the trigger on to get it is because it's so dang expensive.
1: Yeah, it's expensive because it's a very hard crop to mass produce. Um, there's a guy in town who has a very large hemp crop named Chris Adams, and he's a multi multi-award-winning farmer. And even he's had trouble and has to use manpower labor to harvest his CBD. Um, it's, it's phenomenally expensive. The commercial ag equipment's not designed for it. And as a result, it, it's, it is truly a value-added ag. And we throw that term around a lot in the state. But it's one of those agricultural products where a good farmer, you can tell the difference between a good farmer and a bad farmer like that.
0: Why don't you... Tell people what value-added ag means.
1: Value-added ag is a famous term originally coined by the North Dakota Democrats in the late 1970s and early 1980s and was later adopted by the North Dakota Republican Party. And what value-added ag asserts is that if you add value to your crop, people will be willing to pay more for it. And because of North Dakota farmers, they create additional value in their crops and because of North Dakota infrastructure.
0: So, essentially, so for example, you get what you pay for.
1: Well, more so, North Dakota farmers will get a premium on sugar beets because they're right next to the sugar beet plant, which means you don't have to haul it from wherever else is growing. So, if you have the infrastructure to refine your agriculture, you get a premium for the farmer, and you basically get to double dip on the economic output. Okay, I think that was a
0: good enough explanation where people aren't understand for sure. So. Well, and, you know, so
2: this is the thing that I just don't understand why uh, North Dakota doesn't just legalize it. I mean, it seems like that's what everybody else is doing. I mean, what's going to be the big downfall of it? But not only that, but if North Dakota legalizes it, well, then you open up a whole, like, I mean, fields of hemp and all kinds of stuff that can be sold. I mean, you got hemp oil, you got hemp rope, you got all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, North Dakota could is the prime place to grow it in a lot of ways. We have the right climate. We have the right soil. It's a good buffer crop against wind. It is all in all a very good crop for North Dakotans. Um, It's just there's hesitation at the legislature because you've got people who are still operating in the war on drugs mindset.
0: A very successful war, might
1: I add. <laughs> I'd like to congratulate drugs <laughs> 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 for winning the war on drugs.
2: Yeah. Was that a Mitch Heiberg? or was no who?
1: God, I think it was. Uh, oh, he's no longer with us. He's a famous comedian. He did the words you can't say skit.
0: Oh, that was uh, Carlin, George Carlin. Ar- George Carlin. George, yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we can oh. say some of those words on here. You know?
1: Well, I, I I don't think so. I don't say them. So okay, good.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can see the
2: how it could be a problem as far as you know. Let's say the downtown college age people, because I got a little bit of experience in this. I mean, and when uh in my in my youth when I when I did this stuff, uh, if you are drinking heavily and then all of a sudden you put down a little bit of THC it can take you for a complete yeah. loop oh yeah don't, do you, don't you mix, mix and match do don't mix, mix them. and match yeah it's over johnny yeah. but that's also why i don't drink duels and whiskey
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's pretty much everything on the pot front if you guys have any questions about it or do we want to move
0: you got any no, I think we did a good job of ex- <laughs> of explaining um, what's going on. But, yeah, that that measure will be on the ballot. There's going to be likely some others. Um, I think I think we're going to wind up seeing a measure on sports gaming, even though they haven't filed yet. Um, that's the one. The pot, uh, to be honest with you, the pot one, I really don't care.
1: I'm hearing uh, rumors about a constitutional amendment for term limits. That, um, would, no,
0: that would make some waves. A
1: buddy of mine's firm put in a bid for that. Um, and depending on how much the organization raises, they may be using paid petitioners.
0: Any other hot rummers?
1: Uh, there is a quote-unquote moderate liberal issue which polls at not below 60% that was collecting bids from ballot access firms. Um, I, I just know this because part of my consulting is I help them price these things out.
0: Um, moderate liberal. That's like jumbo shrimp.
1: Uh, they, <laughs> they, they claim it polls at 60%. So whatever it is, it's something pulling at 60%
0: well good enough uh that is i'd say a, a nice look into this measure for anybody that was curious about it or you know had any questions um there will be more coming out about it i imagine closer to the date you'll probably you know be appearing on different things that are quoted in the paper or you know radio whatever have you just because simple fact is people are interested in this and to be honest with you i am but i don't know why like when I remember when I was running for city council, it was one of the number one issues I got asked about, and yeah. I would have had no say in it. And I was getting asked about this all the time. It was almost like they use that to gauge how you'll be on other stuff. Well, and see so when I'd say like I don't care, that was not popular.
1: No, I, I don't care. As a, a lot of people hear, I don't care as code for I oppose it, but I'm not going to tell you publicly. Um, so as the reason that those campaigns were so prominent is we had a lot of help from local media, state media. Um, it was it was doing so well on ratings that I was getting on Hennon rather routinely even on it. To get beat up, granted, but...
0: And you know what the second uh, most often question I got when I was running, and this will transition us into the next topic, was where I stood on abortion. Like, a freaking city council member can do anything <laughs> about abortion.
1: Actually, you can.
0: Well... It's also like asking me if I, you know, how I felt about the Iraq war or Afghanistan or other things I can't do.
1: <laughs> so that moves us into our next thing. Um, every year, the state, um, the, sta- the states are allowed to petition the Supreme Court. Whenever you want to sue, you sue and you try and go to the Supreme Court.
0: Once a year? It's uh, an opportunity? It,
1: they all, he- they decide whether, what cases they're going to hear. Roughly once a year, they fill the docket. And once the docket's full, they start hearing them. And so this year, the state of Tennessee passed an abortion law, and it would have restricted to, I believe, either 12 or 15 weeks, where you could not get an abortion after 15 weeks. And it was originally struck down in, Tennessee District, in the Tennessee District Court. It was struck down in Federal Court of Appeals. But what was interesting this time is the U.S. Supreme Court, for the first time since Planned Parenthood v. Casey, has agreed to hear a case regarding the fetal viability test and standard and what that actually means. And we, because of the state the Supreme Court is in, we have five and a half to six conservatives, depending on how you want to count Roberts, and we have between three to three and a half liberals. And so we've got a chance for a conservative majority to actually hear a change of the fetal viability standard. And this is something that pro-life advocates in the state and across the country have been trying to do since, call it 2004.
0: So now, my initial question would be, you know, since right now the current administration that's in Washington, D.C., has openly talked about stuffing the courts and adding judges, and would a ruling like this where, let's just say the conservative pro-life folks that sit on that bench— you know, all all ruled in favor and said, yeah, it's v- viable after 15 weeks or, or what have you. How long would it be before Biden nominates, you know, six more justices and some state like uh, New York or Vermont or something comes in and takes it right back to the Supreme Court to get the opposite ruling? What do you think the likelihood of that would be, David?
1: I think the likelihood is very low because Joe Manchin is supposedly fairly pro-life. Um. There are still enough Catholic Democrats left, where I don't think using that as your rallying cry is a winning strategy. Um, that turns back to like District 18 in Grand Forks, moderately Democrat district, but on paper. But because of how left the Democrat Party went on social issues, they ended up voting in mass for a Republican. Um, that Republican has gotten the most votes of anybody in that district multiple times in a row now, and I'm of course referring to Steve Vetter. Because he's a Catholic and he was able to resonate with them. I don't think the Catholics are going to shed the Demo- they're sorry, the Democrats are not going to be willing to shed the Catholic vote in states like New Jersey, in states like Massachusetts, to a lesser extent in states like Maryland.
0: So where does Joe Manchin come into play though when you're talking about like let's say New York or something,'ll we'll just he Well, the if, they'd, if they want to bring, you know, use their opportunity, like you mentioned earlier, you know, basically annually to get something in front of the Supreme Court. I don't understand where Joe Manchin comes in. Can you help me out?
1: Here's how Manchin comes in, right? You were talking about specifically packing the court. Sure. In order to pack the court, you need 51 senators.
0: Well, why don't we come at this from not even packing the court? Why don't we look at it from also, let's just say... You
1: need a majority of justices to agree to hear a case. They don't have a majority. Okay, okay. So unless you have a majority of justices who agree to hear a case, it typically doesn't get heard. And historically, the justices have not wanted to hear abortion issues in regards to the fetal viability test. And North Dakota even tried to force the issue with the heartbeat bill. We passed the heartbeat bill while Betty Grandy was still a representative. And it's ultimately one of the reasons why Betty Grandy is no longer a representative out of Fargo. Um, And we tried to pass a heartbeat bill in North Dakota in order to force the Supreme Court to rule on it. Nobody thought that this was going to be constitutional at the federal court of appeals level. But they were hoping we go to the Supreme Court. They punted in 14. They punted in 15. They punted in 16. They punted in 17. I don't need to list all the years. They've been punting for a very long time.
0: So for those of you that can count, from 2015 all the way through present, they punted.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and arguably they've been punting since 2002 on other issues. And what really makes this interesting is we have the votes in North Dakota to pass any pro-life legislation we want like this. We've also got four days left. So if the Supreme Court rules and we go back in, we can pass a pro-life bill in the state of North Dakota instantly in accordance with the Supreme Court ruling.
0: how many of how many of those days though are going to be eaten up by redistricting
1: Well keep in mind during redistricting it's mostly committee meetings it, it's it's not a lot of floor days so they can bring this they can have the human services or whoever they want to have do it I, I would not recommend human services and those,
0: those committee days don't count against your four days that the North Dakota Constitution
1: every will. day you gavel in counts. But there's nothing stopping the bill from being introduced, being heard by House Human Services on day one, voted on House floor day one. Goes over to the Senate. Senate day two, committee hearing. Senate day two, floor. Day three, conference committee. Concur in, done.
0: Interesting. I wonder I wonder how many other people caught the scent of that possibility.
1: I've, I've talked to at least two senators who are very interested in doing it. Um, the concern is whether or not they will have, I, I, I don't think they're going to have the ruling during redistricting. But what I think we could do is pass a provisional bill that says, should the Supreme Court change fetal viability standard to this, we will restrict abortions past whatever week the Supreme Court determines.
0: So when the Supreme Court decides this, wouldn't that automatically put?
1: No, because the heartbeat bill's too early. So if, if the, the heartbeat bill is, I think, like eight weeks. Okay. So if the Supreme Court says yes to 15— So that
0: limits every state to 15, but some states like North Dakota potentially that would want to do it earlier than that still have to pass their own stuff.
1: Right, because all we have on the books is heartbeat. So in order to go to the 15-week standard, we'd have to pass a new bill to go to fifteen.
0: Okay, that's yeah, that's good information. So, do you do you know when? Um, Had they announced when exactly they'll be possibly hearing this case? I Cause,
1: don't cause, remember. I, I I know that they've announced, and I should have done better homework on that. But I don't know the exact day or minute. Because
0: this could be a ruling that's referred back to for the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah, so this like is, Roe
0: v. Wade. You know, what what, what are they going to call this one? Tennessee v.
1: It would be everyone whoever, else. It would <laughs> be whoever the Attorney General of Tennessee is. The whoever the Attorney General of the United States is, probably.
0: So that Merrick Garland will finally get his name on something with the Supreme Court. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so the implications here are of course huge.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't think this is being well covered, to be no, totally honest it's with it's you. Not. When you talked about it to me and I pay attention to this stuff, I mean not as closely as, you know, a talking head on the TV that lives and breathes it. Because I have other things I like to do, like work for a living and play golf and hang out with my kids and my wife. But um, I did not know what the hell you were talking about when you said this to me because it hasn't been covered.
1: It's been very, very briefly covered. It got about a 30-second segment on Fox News the day that they did it. But no one wants to talk about the state-to-state implications of this. Because the fear is, and here's the one way it could go wrong. Let's imagine the 15-week bill goes entirely south and they say okay well we're now saying you can't do it before 22 weeks before 22 weeks then if north could have passed a bill stating that we'd comply with the supreme court ruling we'd actually be become less pro-life so that's why everyone's a little nervous i just don't see a world where a 6-3 conservative supreme court makes the abortion laws more restrictive or sorry makes the abortion laws more liberal not more restrictive
0: that makes that makes sense
1: I, I can see a world where they don't uphold the 15. i can't see a world where they go push further
0: so in states like which one is uh, that lunatic uh, physician um is it virginia Whoa. ralph New, uh, newson or uh, I,
1: I forget you're, you're pushing my knowledge i'm not a yeah, national well, guy well there's
0: there's a, <laughs> there's one governor in particular that's very fond of abortion as a matter of fact i think he'd okay it up to like seven years of age I mean, you know, he, he was <laughs> on camera talking about how it should, the decision of a born child should be between the doctor and the mother about a child that is already born and breathing. And, you know, I guess in my world, that would have been considered homicide. See, uh, the, uh, the reason I
2: haven't really been chiming in on this is because the whole idea behind this, I think, is absolutely disgusting. I have children. And, you know, before I had children, the thought had crossed my mind, like if I ever wanted children or, you know, but after having kids, there isn't one, like, fraction of my being that would ever say, you know, get an abortion. I don't, I mean, that's. I'm sure there are exceptional cases, but I think the, the, uh, the whole discussion of it is just gross to me.
1: What I can say is 99% of abortion should not happen, confidently. well, Life I, of mother is a debate, right? Yep. Incest is a debate. Rape is a debate you there are people who have arguments there i'm not saying i agree with them but they have arguments yeah I've that's heard some, less than one percent of all abortions.
0: i've heard some debates about that that are kind of reasonable the incest one gets me though and maybe i'm just sheltered or naive or something but is that happening the human is not wired to want to have sex with your children or your nieces or nephews that isn't the way we're wired
1: well most incest is the result of rape just, well, a, just yeah, as a fact yeah, I of the would matter, assume it wasn't um,
0: two consenting siblings.
1: But the the, <laughs> the point being, so ninety-nine. If you get rid of everything else, you've covered ninety-nine percent, right? So let's deal with the ninety-nine percent, and we can argue about the one. Mm-hmm. But can we all agree yeah, about the ninety-nine?
0: Actually, I've heard I've heard some extremely right-wing uh, anti-abortion folks say, "You know what? Fine, we'll give you rape, incest, and whatever the third life of mother mother. just get rid of, you know, random abortions for, for, uh, you know, not being careful.
1: Right. There are even some very socially moderate Republicans in town who are, we can't be allowing this to continue the murder. So that's why I kind of wanted to bring people's attention to it. it. It's, it's a huge game changer. Uh, if you're in district 43, please contact your reps. I don't think you need to worry about district 18 I don't think you need to worry about 42. Um, I think we have the votes.
0: Well, if you're in 17, you contact me. I'm the vice chair.
1: Yeah, contact Mark.
0: Because <laughs> you didn't get to vote enough times. <laughs> so,
2: you, guys, you guys mind if we talk about something that you uh, you touched base on earlier? And I, I don't know if you had, had already planned on going into this. I'm kind of – it's your show. Like you probably Are we already going had to crypto? up, crypto? Oh, no, um, when you guys were talking about uh, the legalizing gambling in oh. North Dakota – Like, I'm kind of curious about that, if you guys want to talk about it. Dave will know
0: everything you want to know.
1: So this started as the passion project of Representative Jim Casper back in 2000. And Blair Thorson, Casper, and one other one were really carrying the flag up until 2010. And it's one of those bills that always gets through the House, always dies in the Senate, uh, because quite frankly, some of the people pushing it just are not well liked in the Senate. Plus, you've got the very socially conservative crowd that's very against it in the Senate. And so this time they thought, okay, fresh paint. Let's get new sponsors on it. Let's not have it be the same four people that are very controversial that nobody likes. And let's try it with a more moderate spin on it. And it failed. It overwhelmingly failed. And so the legislators themselves have lost patience with the legislature on this issue. So a lot of legislators are, thank you, going to be moving towards pushing this on the ballot. And the question, of course, is going to be what level of funding is there? Because if,
0: well, this is if why it gets funded, it's I, going to This is why I think it's got a really good chance because the last I checked, DraftKings was interested in funding it. And they are not a small deal. Um, so
1: here's the one thing I'll say. Everyone's interested in funding these things until they hear the cost. So... Typically, once I know a lot of the firms in the business of getting hired to do pay petition, I know a lot of them; they're friends of mine. When I hear that they are being asked to put in a bid, that's when I'll start considering it a very serious proposal. At this point, the debate is really who do we want the who do the who are the sponsors and who are the figureheads of it, and there seems to be some hesitation among people about letting it be who it really wants to be and they're trying to pick the people it really should be. Um, As an example, if you asked Jim Casper would he sign on to this, he would say 100% yes. He would be rallying that flag and beating that drum for the next two years. Is Jim Casper the man to chair that committee? Absolutely not. from a political perspective because of the controversies he's had in Fargo.
0: Well, you better hope Jim Casper doesn't hear this. Oh, I work
1: show. for Jim. I work for Casper <laughs> gonna, every now and then. I
0: going to say you've been tearing him a new one. No, no I,
1: I, I love the guy. Um, as in, he's a very good rep, very effective, very good for Fargo. But he has had so many controversial headlines over the past two years that he is not the person you want to be the chairman. Because the first second Casper goes into an interview, I can tell you what the first question is going to be. It's going to be about Antigua Jim. And the alleged corruption of him getting an Antigua chair. up. Joel Heitkamp does it to this day. Hits him over and over for it. And it's, it's nonsense, but he gets hit on it because he was paid by the gambling industry to go to Antigua and give a talk. The next thing they're going to ask him is about his weird comments on Facebook. He's going to claim he was hacked.
2: Well, that's uh, what I'm going to claim from now on too. Yeah. Um, I was say. But the,
1: the point being, <laughs> I'm glad the, no one's debate, digging through mine. <laughs> the debate on Casp, the debate of Casper with the chair, would no longer be about gambling. It would be about Jim Casper, the person.
2: Yeah, and I, I could see how that would be a problem. And
1: so, as a result, he's not the person you want to share it. Where, on
0: the, where is Antigua?
1: Antigua is a country in the uh, Caribbean. Oh, I would make that speech too. Uh, him and Blair Thorson both went.
2: Well, I just think the gambling thing would be so cool because, I mean, well, so Rumors is the only place I know that, you know, you can go in there and it's not just bingo, those stupid, you know, pull tab electronic things now
1: they are slot machines
2: yeah i mean but they're not slot machines because it's actually a pull tab machine people don't even realize that like they're literally playing a pull tab jar but they actually have horse racing over there which i think is pretty cool but i think it would be so cool to just be able to go into any bar on any given day and just be like i got a hundred on the vikings today
0: because i don't like money
1: yeah i i agree (laughs) it would be well no it would be imagine you and your mates are at the bar right and you're there to watch the Vikings.
0: Assumingly game. we're in Australia with our mates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fine. Imagine you and your buddies, your pals, your dudes, whatever a you Barbie? want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you're there. Okay. The
0: bingo eat my baby.
1: And you guys are having a good time, but the game's over. <laughs> and then Scotty goes up to you and goes rusted. You want to bet on the Steelers game. And Scotty goes and bets against the Steelers, and you bet on the Steelers. Well, now you've got to watch the whole game. You've got to be there to give each other crap. So it's going to be a huge revenue generator for the bar.
0: I don't think I don't think Myers ever going to ask me for gambling advice again after the bath we took on that stupid bison Sioux game. I was feeling good about that one. I don't know what the <laughs> hell happened, but we—you lost. We took a beating. You lost. We went in pretty deep. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Joe, you—you. Oh, you, I'm assuming you bet on the Sioux. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah
2: because great. I guess I had a great week the <laughs> week before.
0: Well, <laughs> and they had a common opponent that the Sioux beat and and the bison mm-hmm. got killed by, and so that's usually what. I look at. It.
2: I don't watch college football, and I watched that game just because I was like, D is going to
0: take it to the Bison. I was so excited. I remember Jen's reaction when I told her how much we had on that, and I'm thinking if we were further along into a relationship, there might have been some actual physical punches thrown. <laughs> she was fairly annoyed with me. Isn't that right, hon? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Um, but, yeah, so I – and the other problem is, right, the people who have the gambling connections are also going to want to be on the committee. And and it's going to be a heck of a balancing act between your money raisers and your statewide politically palatable people.
2: So why – I mean, why don't they just do – I mean, I don't understand, like, the, the money aspect of it. But uh, from my understanding, the reason that we never had gambling in North Dakota is because of the casinos.
1: Um, The Native American part did play a role historically, but keep in mind, the legislature is almost irrelevant on this issue. Because if there are enough people who want gambling, it will pass. you just got to put it on a ballot. But let me tell you what a non-grassroots initiative looks like. Step one, you have to find 25 proxies, let's call them, in the state who are willing to put their name on the issue and willing to deal with all of the contacts from the press for the issue. Step two, got to pay petitioners. Um, last cycle, it was $7 a signature. Um, that's what the Gary Emineth paid for his constitutional measure to add the word of North Dakota to the Constitution for voting. That's what the Represent Us liberal measure charged. It, it's $7 a signature? $7 a <laughs> signature.
0: <laughs> what are they, Pete Rose standing outside the mirage?
1: Well, keep in mind there's multiple layers. But it, it, the end cost, it was originally 10 before they got negotiated down to 7 uh, the the firm that I'm with, that I consult for, is putting in a bid for about six, just for perspective, and so you got to collect thirty thousand signatures, for a constitutional. More now because of the census, but thirty to thirty five thousand at ten dollars a signature. That's three hundred fifty grand to make the ballot. That's before your advertising. That's before your overhead. That's before your campaign.
0: Well, DraftKings made three hundred fifty grand before you started that sentence. Right? Yes, so.
1: but how much did they make from North Dakota?
0: Do you think it matters? Because what they want,
1: know for a fact, it matters. Well,
0: then, no. Here's the thing: you get enough states to pass it, and all they do is better and better and better. And so they will, in fact, take passing it in a state like North Dakota, depending on how, no matter how much money it costs, and use that as fuel for the fire to try to get it to pass in states where they will make way more. I mean, they do it with things like Marcy's Law and stuff like that. Why wouldn't they do it for a money making? The
1: difference is Marcy's Law is a cause. DraftKings really doesn't want you to be able to bet through anybody that's not DraftKings. When you really think about it, if you're DraftKings, you don't want the bars to have sports betting. Why? Because that means that they don't have to go on your platform to gamble.
0: Actually, though, their platform is so good the bars would likely use it.
1: Likely, yes. But that's the risk they're taking. The risk they're taking is how much capital are we going to have to deploy. And it's 350 to make the ballot. It's another million to $2 million in advertising campaigns. How much revenue are we reasonably going to get from the state of North Dakota? And they always do a study. And I've spoken with groups before. And they're all gung-ho to fund things. And this just isn't marijuana. This is other issues too. And then they do the bid. And then they do the study. And then they find out this is a $3 million project. And we're only going to see 300000 in revenues to us it ain't worth it. We'll go fund Ohio, which is 4 million dollars, but by way of comparison, we'll be bringing in 12 to 15 a year. Now, the reason they do it on cause-based things is because causes don't care about business. Causes want branding, they want exposure, and they want wins. DraftKings wants both wins and profitability. And so the question well, in is, in my
0: opinion, Dave, if they decide to go with it and go through with this in North Dakota, they won't even wait for the vote to come in, and they'll have trucks of personal gaming machines that they can try to sell to all the bars oh, to take all the stress out of it for them and make it as user friendly as possible. I they're the biggest game in town. I don't I, when I say that I am using it as a you know just a saying. It's it I am not talking about Grand Forks, but I mean they're they're the they're the cat's ass when it comes to sports betting. So I. You might think that they would, that other establishments might go other, way, other places, but I, I don't see it.
1: Well, what, what concerns me is the fact they haven't done an RFP yet. When they do an RFP, I'll know they're at least at the point where they're willing to check cost. And I know they're going to use paid signatures, and I know one of the fir- a couple of the firms that will bid on it. And when I know that RFP has hit the table... That's when I will treat it as a thing that is happening, as opposed to a thing that's being talked about.
0: Well, when that happens, and if it happens between one o'clock and two thirty on a Monday, <laughs> hit the hit the hotline here at the show. <laughs> with, with that too, I
2: mean, would you be able to gamble on college sports? So I mean, um, could people bet because I mean that like I've always wondered if that's the issue behind it too. Because now, if you got people that are you know betting on University of North Dakota hockey games. Well, all of a sudden, then you're opening up these people that might be starting to, you know, offer the players some money or some other things and benefits.
1: So depending on who writes the initiative is going to determine what you can and can't bet on. So step zero in any big initiative project like this is you put a poll into the field. And you ask 20 to 30 questions. And it's usually a $20,000 bill to do it. And you ask if this provision in there, are you more or less likely to vote? If this provision, if that provision, if this, if that. if you, You ask like 20, 30 questions. And from there you craft your initiative. And typically what people who fund initiatives like to see is they like to see 53 strong yes plus likely yes. And they like to see no more than 45 strong no plus likely no. Which leaves about eh, 3-4% undecided. And when they see that, that's when they get confident. And that's when they really move forward with it. And those are the provisions they include. It's also why things like the tax revenue goes to schools, gets in there, because it makes the opposed more likely to vote in favor of it. Because the people who are voting yes on it, just for the sake of voting yes on it, don't care where the money goes, fundamentally. Most people just don't care. But that provision takes the people who are on the fence and goes, yeah, fine, I'll do it for the kids. Our school could use funding, and I don't want to raise property taxes.
0: Well, isn't that kind of how um, the Viking Stadium got built? Yep. Wasn't it a referendum that had to do with electronic pull tabs?
1: I don't know the pull tabs portion, but I know that usually that stuff is referendums or bonding.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think it was bonded. I think it was a referendum, and I think they came out of the gates really, really slow and, like, missing their projected numbers by (laughs) tens of thousands of percent, but it rebounded, apparently, and now they're all doing good. So those machines were slow to catch on but became very popular, you know, later on down the road, which is nice because the state was um, obligated – If you're living in Minnesota, you you were obligated to pay that portion of the Viking Stadium. So if it didn't work, the pull tabs it was coming out of the general fund.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. I I think that it will all depend on the polling, and I will not. There is a very low chance that I will get to see that. Um, There is a small chance if certain people get on the sponsorship committee that I will be brought on. Um, And of course, I'm referring to the guy who you just said that I crap talked. Uh, but if he's on the sponsoring committee as the chair, it's very likely that myself and Paul will be hired on for that. Um, and then I will know what it showed for polling. But that is very private and that you can't go into. Um, so I'll let you know what I know. But
0: Well, this has been interesting and informative. Um, did you want to touch on anything else before we take
1: yeah, off? Yeah, I kind of did. Um, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. So for those of you who are not aware and have been living under a rock... Bitcoin is the latest we 'll call it fad investment asset, so people have been spending money in buying Bitcoin and it's been going ballistic uh, last year it was roughly twenty thousand dollars a coin and it peaked at sixty three thousand earlier this month It just had a fifty percent pullback to thirty i don 't know what it's at today I think it's at like thirty five today so it's recovering again but That's the swing, right? In a year, it goes from 20 to 63, and in a month, it goes from 63 to 30. And so I kind of want to make sure people understand what they're buying when they're buying Bitcoin, what platforms you can buy it on, and what it actually is and how it works. So platforms, you've got Coinbase, you've got Robinhood, you've got one or two others.
0: Crypto.com.
1: Crypto.com also works. And it's
0: at $38,365.70 right now. Oh, it's,
1: it's, it's what? Is it up 20% today? Uh, then?
0: 16.19.
1: Okay. So it's since we've been talking, it's gone up $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um,
0: guessing Elon Musk must've tweeted about it.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I just know what it was at when I came to the studio. Um, and so this is a very, very volatile asset to folks as you're hearing. And what you're buying is you're buying a coin for decentralized payments on a network. And what does that mean? It means you can send your buddy Bitcoin without them.
0: Oh, sorry about that.
1: Okay. It, you were pointing frantically. I was like, am, am oh. I going off the reservation? She's looking, she was looking for the bathroom. <laughs> no. um, it means that you can buy this coin, which you can send to your buddy, right? And it's a way to have money without dollars, in theory. How it's currently being used is a massive speculative asset. And it's caused a huge bubble. And so there are people on the internet who are buying this with what's called margin, which means they take a loan from somebody to go buy it. And then if it goes up, they keep the difference. If it goes down, they have to pay what they borrowed. And it's potentially getting very dangerous.
2: All, so, I, all I know is that I was getting starting to research this Bitcoin stuff and get into all this jazz, and I was thinking about getting one of those mining rigs. I've done and, that. And well, I'm just looking at mine, I put $100 into it. Uh, so this was my experiment to see, like, how this cryptocurrency thing works. And this was probably three weeks ago. And now I'm at $67. So I don't like this shit at all. <laughs>
1: um yeah, but here's the other side of the coin. I got in for a little over four grand and I peaked at like forty-five thousand. Oh wow. Um I could do with that. Yeah, it, it all depends when you get in. And that's what people don't understand. You are, it is a gamble. You but, are buying something that's not proven, not tested and relies on the faith of other people.
2: But right now I've heard that, you know, the IRS is starting to bust down on this and the, the whole thing that could crash the entire crypto market is governments deciding that they don't like this anymore. Funny
1: you should mention that. You know what caused the crash from 60 down to 30? It wasn't just Elon Musk tweeting that it was, quote, economically unsu- environmentally unsustainable. The Chinese government is trying to crack down on it. So in the past, let's pretend that I owed Mark 200 bucks and we didn't want to report this to the IRS. I could send Mark one Bitcoin back in the day. I, I wish. Was- oh, yeah, you should do
0: that now, Dave.
1: Yeah, no, I don't owe you that much money, Mark. <laughs> um, I could send Mark a Bitcoin, and it would process, and he'd have it immediately, and it wouldn't be taxable. And you could sell it on some shady exchange out of South Korea. It was called Mount- or China, I think it was Mount Gox at the time. And he could take the money directly wired into his PayPal. Take the PayPal, send it to his bank account, not paying taxes on it. The IRS has started to get wise to this, and now you have to pay capital gains on every crypto transaction. So if I sent Mark $200 worth of crypto, I'd have to pay 20% capital gains on it. Mark would have to pay 23% capital gains on it.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: No, I'm not. I did not know that. That's the insane part. Every time you exchange it for something nowadays, you have to pay capital gains on it. Oh,
0: it's going to tank then.
1: Well, it it already has. I mean,
0: it's going to tank worse. 20%?
1: 23. Capital gains tax. 23% Twenty-three percent on the gain. Well, and since you got it for zero dollars officially, because I sent it to you, your gain would be the full two hundred dollars.
0: Dave, Dave, capital gain tax is likely to go up to over forty percent here. Oh,
1: oh, yeah, that, that's not going to be fun.
0: My heavens! So it's going to be a currency that's worth something, but you just can't use it for anything.
1: Well, what it'll be is. Wait. So I don't think. I take, don't think. Uh, switch. My... Hold on. I got.
2: It. I got you. No,
1: it's this thing here. There you go. So, bull. I mean, I have the camera on too now. Oh. I do. So like both people have to pay. So like once when I bought it, right, I paid a price for it, and if I paid less than two hundred dollars, when I send it to Mark, I have to pay capital gains on the difference. Yeah. Mark didn't pay anything for those coins. Mark has to pay the capital gains when he converts it back to dollars. Okay. So Mark also has to pay capital gains. He would be on the two hundred. Mine would be on the difference. So if I bought it for two hundred dollars and I sent it, I don't know anything. Mark would just owe on the two hundred. And that's what's currently making it utterly non-viable as an alternative competitive currency. And there are a lot of people out there who are trading what is called Dogecoin who are going to be stuck with colossal tax bills when they were buying, trading, buying, trading, buying, trading, buying, trading. Um, because anytime you converted Dogecoin to Bitcoin, you had to pay capital.
0: So are you, are you telling me that all these day traders and these cryptocurrencies, they are going to go and retroactively... Hit them with tax bills?
1: Uh, technically, it's not retroactive unless they were trading before 2016. But if you had Dogecoin before 2016, I really don't feel bad. Are you for certain you. of this? I know a guy who has colossal amounts of this stuff. Like, we're talking plural millions of dollars. And he was literally complaining in the car to me Saturday about this. So.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't even laugh. So on both sides of this transaction...
1: Anytime he converts his Doge to... Let's say he converted his Doge to Dash. You don't need to know what they are. But when he converted Doge to Dash, he had to pay capital gains. When he converted his Dash to dollars, he had to pay capital gains.
0: And when did this go into, when did this go into effect? Because this is going Approximately to- 2016.
1: It's just people have not been complying. But now that Coinbase, the largest exchange, is a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange... They send forms out to people saying, here's your tax burden. I got one. Um, my tax burden was very, very low because I don't buy and sell a lot of it. But they are now sending out forms to tell people what their taxes are. If you have a brokerage account like, say, Robinhood, they send you every month a estimated tax burden on your dividends, on your trades.
0: Isn't the IRS just a peach?
1: Oh, the IRS yeah. is going to...
0: Maybe
2: I can use my stimulus pay, my stimulus pay to, to cover those taxes.
1: Well, that, that's, the thing, that's the thing with the Dogecoin people, right? So when they bought Dogecoin at a penny a coin, it went up to 50 cents a coin. They sold their Dogecoin, right? On each of those transactions per Dogecoin, they would owe, call it 12 cents. Not exactly, but call it 12 cents. Let's pretend they bought back into Dogecoin at a low price, try to sell it again and rebuy back in.
0: That's what everyone was doing with it. Yeah, that one they're gonna specifically. Have, they're
1: going to have massive tax bills. And they're going to have... I saw my buddy's taxes this year. He has a form this thick from his trades on Coinbase. Oh, that That's is... That's just Coinbase.
0: That is not good. That's just
1: Coinbase. Okay, now let's add Mt. Gox. Let's add Robinhood. I'm slowly going off screen with my hand here. You hear
0: him? So, if the... If the I, <laughs> I guess what they're signaling is unless the IRS is planning on... Uh, hiring about 200% more well, staff you, and Coinbase in, is
1: going to report it now Because they're a publicly traded company They're going to report to the IRS Every individual because they have your social security number
0: But if you're in any other business Now is probably the time to play in the gray areas Because they're all going to be focused on Freaking Dogecoin people
1: Well the, the, that's the problem right If these people were trading on Robinhood or Coinbase They sent the correct form to the IRS already yeah. And they're not going to owe it This year because remember, your taxes are always one year behind. Yeah. But next year, they're going to get hit hard. And the other thing is, if you've lost money on crypto, like him, unfortunately, I'm sorry, man, <laughs> um, you can only write off a loss of $3,000. But you can carry that forward every year. But your maximum capital loss is only $3,000. So if you lost forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 on crypto, and not unheard of, uh, you can only write 3000 of that loss off your taxes. Now you can defer the rest for so many. Disclosure, not a tax accountant. You can defer this only so far. So those losses aren't treated like normal losses.
0: Well, it's pretty clear the government just wants these things to go away then, if that's the case. Because well, that's, that's so burdensome that who in the hell would ever want to do that? Well, that's
1: why, that's why I tell people don't buy silver. Don't buy gold. Because you got to do the same thing for silver and gold. It's just... The difference with a d- cryptocurrency is it's traded on an online platform that generates the report and sends it to the IRS.
0: You don't buy silver and gold on, no, on I go the to, internet. You I got g- a
1: Mindac Gold Exchange owned by my buddy Jack no, Seaman yeah. in Fargo. No, <laughs> just, you, you got to get a gold guy. Yeah. Jack Seaman, Mindac Gold Exchange Grand For- uh, in Fargo. Big guy.
2: I I've, The only gold I have is this chain, and I bought it with my first paycheck I ever made, and it's so I can get on the boat.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's the thing that people don't realize is you're going to have a lot of people who don't understand their tax burden. And the last issue, Mark, is these are short-term capital gains because they held it for less than a year, right? which means they're not paying 23. They're paying 40 plus. They're paying 39.6 because if you made more than $300,000 on cryptocurrency and you held it for less than a year, that's short-term capital gains. So for those of you who made money on cryptocurrency,
0: best of luck to you.
1: Please prepare for your tax bill and hire a tax accountant. You're not going to be happy.
0: Well, we've covered cryptocurrency, we've covered weed, and we've covered abortions. I'm, I, I would guarantee this is the only show in the country that hit those three topics as seamlessly and as wonderful as we did, David. Thank you for coming out. It was a fun, spirited conversation. Again, this is Mark Rustin with Common Sense Uncensored, episode two. I hope you'll join us for number three to see what we've got in store for you. Have a great day, folks. And I guess... uh, Stay foxy. Yes, stay stay foxy. That's what we'll go with. (laughs) Thanks again.